Welcome everyone to the Health and Wellness Podcast, Let Beauty Guide You with your host, Chelsea Keen. I am so excited to announce that Shirin Arif is here today and she is going to talk about finding your North Star and being resilient. And I am so excited to have her. She is an inspirational international speaker with over 3 million views of her viral videos. She is an award-winning five times international best-selling author and a resiliency coach for women and a proud single mother of four beautiful children. She conducts workshops for women on how to be true to themselves, how to find their own inner North Star as a guiding force in their professional and personal lives, and how to break free from a feeling stuck mindset. So Sharon is on a mission to empower and transform women who are victims of any kind of abuse. She has been there, she's done that, and she has her own dramatic story of ups and downs, as well as a remarkable journey of resilience, which involved coming to Canada, enduring an abusive marriage, becoming a single mother, struggling with facial palsy, and surviving cancer. She inspires others with the wisdom and strength she gained along the way. Sharon is the president of the Immigrant Women of Business Brampton Chapter and a founding member of Immigrant Women in Business, an organization dedicated to helping immigrant women from diverse backgrounds succeed as independent women and entrepreneurs. Sharon's life story of resilience has been translated into a film as part of the Dream Big docuseries by Ethnic Channel Group. She received the International Women Achievers Award 2020 as a woman of purpose, and she received the Spiritual Writer-Composer Halo Award, as well as the Literary Titan Gold Award for 2020. I mean, it's just extraordinary. (laughs) It's, It's so awesome. And I, you know, one thing I love about you is you're so freaking accomplished, but you're so comfortable to be around. Like you're just so grounded and, um, you know, I, I've gotten to know you and I've heard a lot about your kids and, um, you're just such a maternal energy. So thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to speak with you about what you're up to. Thank you so much, Chelsea, for having me on your podcast. I deeply appreciate this opportunity. I love having conversations with you. It's been a long time that I've seen you in person. Um, Looking forward to this conversation and saying hello to the people who listen to your podcast. Yes, yes. Hello, everyone. Yes. Thank you, Sharon. Um, So I have to laugh because I was... (laughs) I was preparing for this podcast and of course I was watching all your um, videos and yeah. one of them I watched was your speaker slam where yes. <laughs> it's the kind of like the speed sharing, right? You do you kind of get like a yes. minute or so. And so Sharon gets up and she starts speaking and then that green light flashes and she's like, you know what? I'm colorblind. And then she's like, you know, <laughs> I'm colorblind and I'm unstoppable. So you're just going to have to deal with me. You invited me here. You're just going to have to deal with me. And then you just kept going. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, that's so Sheeran. 
see sometimes uh, something that's supposed to be your shortcoming. I mean, I am actually colorblind. That wasn't a joke. <laughs> so oh, wow. Okay. I, I turned it around to my favor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in my favor, I would say in my favor. So they had told me, you have only three minutes to talk. And, you know, when you see red and green, I'm like, okay. When I went up on stage, I got such a kick out of it. That was after a long, long time. I went mm -hmm. up on stage after my university days and, and the love I was getting from the people that was so refreshing, especially in a, in a new country. I mean, in Canada where I have no family, I just live with my kids. So I was so love deprived from anybody else other than my kids that I I was so open to receiving it. I'm like, forget the red and the green light. <laughs> I want this. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, and, and so it was fun. <laughs> oh yeah, it was. It was just so like the whole audience just like blew up with laughter. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah, it just made me laugh so much because the host, uh, you know, he had said when he was defining the rules, he had said, "If you don't stop, I'm gonna come on stage and massage your shoulders and get you up." So I said, "Oh, I can do with a little bit of massage too. I'm a tired mom." <laughs> <laughs> so everything works oh my goodness talk about embracing the moment so yes. good so sharon um you've got this program called be your own north star which is a program for women in toxic relationships um who are struggling with adver adversities and you help them reclaim their power and take leadership in their lives so what does being your own North Star mean to you? And what was the moment that you found your North Star? Right. So yes, being my own North Star is my lived experience. So my North Star moment was when I had cancer. Cancer was the pivotal moment of my life. And I'm so grateful for that moment. Before that, I was living a very disempowered life and um, I'll, I'll um, backtrack a bit and say I'll start from say 2005 when I landed in Canada as a wife I, I got married to uh, a man who was born in India in my uh, city uh, my family knew his family and I and he had moved to Canada many years ago he was divorced here in Canada. I was divorced in India. I had a daughter and uh, I was living with my parents. Uh, he went to India and he was, um, he claimed to be in love with me. And uh, he knew me from before because his sister was married in our family uh, to a distant relative. And so there were uh, he would visit our, you know, the building, the, the mansion in which uh, I lived. And I didn't, so we had a few interactions, but nothing developed. And then, of course, he moved here, got married, got divorced. I was divorced. And then he offered his hand. Um, he offered to get married to me. And then I came here and Things were not the way he promised they would be. Uh, I was too shy to ask that, oh, you said this and you said that. And you said that you're coming home to a home by the lake. And, you know, and it, 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 we have this and we have that. But it, I felt like 
it would be awkward to ask, what about the house you said? Or what about the furniture you said? Nobody talks like that. If you're, especially if you're in love with someone, nothing matters. What matters is you want to be with the person. And that was what was so exciting. My daughter was going to be with me. I didn't have to leave my daughter in India. And when I got, when I came here, I was taken to an apartment <clears throat> in Parkdale. Didn't see a lake anywhere around it. And, um, it didn't have it didn't even have furniture there was a there was a, a bed frame that was propped on the wall nothing was assembled so it was very shocking and there was a mattress on the floor and then from that moment on my life went downhill because the man who married me um ended up uh men you know, mentally, emotionally, financially, verbally abusing me. Um, and I ended up almost living my life like a slave where I was working for him for free. And, you know, there was always an emotional spin to it. You're my wife, this is our money. So, you know, you get everything that you want. So I have control as a man over the money. Mm -hmm. And that's a bit of, you know, um, the Indian culture where men hold the, uh, strings of the purse you know and women don't but then those men provide everything and take care of the women they let them you know have access to the money and you know not deprive them of it but it was different here and um, even though I worked eight years of my life for him and um, and um I made a huge contribution to his financial growth, but I had no money. I was poor. And he used to go away every evening and he, he said he was working, but actually he was in a relationship with his ex-wife. Mm -hmm. And so the year I had twin children from him, he ended up having a kid from her. So I got it when I, well, when I got to discover all that, it was heartbreaking. It was very stressful and I was struggling. And his stand was, you know, you don't have a choice. You were not, you were a divorcee with a child uh, who's going to, who would marry you? I did you a favor. I brought you to Canada and you should be grateful. And if you don't like this, go back. And I couldn't go back because of all the stigma that is attached to divorced women back home. And I had already faced it once and I didn't want to be feeling unwelcomed back again in my mom's place. And this time with like more kids. So I had to put up with all this. And uh, within six months of being here, because, uh, you know, nothing was in alignment with what he, he had told me. I was stressed and I ended up having facial paralysis. Then he used to keep saying that I was ugly and um, my self-worth hit an all-time low. Mm. And, you know, I was lost. So there was no North Star that I saw. Everything was dark. And um, I reached a very dark space um, within me and I was wanting, I was contemplating wanting to die and I was like cursing myself and hoping I had the courage to end my life but what kept me going were my children <clears throat> sorry my voice is cracking a bit and uh, much um, what what was scary was you know what will happen to my children if I 
if I moved out of their lives. And their father was not so involved with them. He, he was hardly there. So eventually, you know, living this life that uh, was not in alignment with who I am and, you know, suppressing myself, uh, not allowing myself to feel my own power, uh, living by his uh, ultimatums and deadlines, uh, you know, made me so sick and so unwell that I ended up with cancer. And when I had cancer, he walked away. Wow. And, and that's when, you know, um, all my other fears were of no significance. You know, the fear of what will happen if I, if he leaves me, I cannot go back to India. How will I feed my kids? How would I provide for my kids? It's scary out there in the shelters. I don't want my kids to have a life living in a shelter. And then, you know, my son would move away from me. If I went to a women's shelter, he would be put somewhere else. All of that, you know, meant nothing against the huge fear that if I died, my kids would be scattered anyways because he wouldn't show up and they would be sent uh, into foster homes and they wouldn't be together again. That was killing me mm. more than cancer was. And so when I went for my surgery, and then my chemo, that was the time when I was all alone and by myself. And that gave me that clearing to think and design my life, to take full charge. That's when all the clouds, all the darkness cleared away and my North Star showed up clear and bright. And then I had direction. I took charge of my own life and I decided that I'm not going to live my life on anybody's ultimatums and deadlines. I'm going to design my life now that I can see. Wow. And that was my journey of when I took on being my North Star. And I said, I'll lead myself first before I lead anybody else. Hmm. So I have chills. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Thank you. And from from there, that moment where you were like, okay, you saw that clearing where you were like, okay, I can design my life now. Right. From there, what was available to you? Did you just start making choices and taking actions or what? how did right. that kind of unfold? Right. So for all these years, I was present to a life that I didn't want, but I was not thinking. And, and you know, whenever I was I was in that frame of mind where I was thinking of everything that I didn't want, going to a shelter I didn't want, going back to India I didn't want, being in this life I didn't want. So I was coming from a place of focusing on all that I don't want. And then when I had that clearing, I started thinking of, okay, let's see, what can I do to have what I want so that I can get rid of what I don't want? And so what would that look like? And the first thing that I did was I had an idea. I don't want to live this life. So I want to divorce. So I was very clear about that, that I want a divorce. Now, I don't want my kids to be in a shelter. I don't want to go back to India. So what do I want? I want to live in Canada. I want to live my life with dignity. I want to have a source of income that will sustain us and provide for us. Let's work on that. And so the mm. first thing was, I don't have all the answers and it's okay not to have all the answers. No one can have all the answers, but then I learned to be open to ask 
What is it that I need to know to get there? Who can help me? What is available to me? So I started reaching out to people in my neighborhood, in my community, you know, and telling them, hey, I want a divorce. How do I go about having a divorce? Like, how do I get a divorce? Where do I go? Where do I start? So that's how I began. Simple steps. Hmm. One step step. at a time. Just like, so it was kind of like the mindset shift of, okay, I'm going to focus on what I do want and I'm going to focus what I immediately need to start doing. And then from there, okay, reach out and, and see what help is available to me and kind of just take actions just one step at a time. Yes. And I had no idea. I didn't, uh, you know, where I, I didn't design my life where I am at now. Like I didn't think I'm going to be an author, speaker, a coach. All I wanted was to break free from a life where I felt stuck. Hmm. That's all. And then the rest of it played out, you know, you know, when you're ready, then the not just the north star the whole constellation will show up <laughs> you know yeah no you, you, you have to look up you will have to be willing to open your eyes and look into that darkness not close your eyes in fear mm. you have to be willing to open your eyes and look it's it's so amazing you know i like it cuz i'm listening to all this stuff i don't know if you know um Dr. Joe Dispenza, but he, yes. he talks about that. Like when you're in that state of survival, it's so mm-hmm. difficult to, you're kind of like you're, there's a veil over your eyes where you're in, in the state of survival and you can't mm-hmm. design, you can't con- create, you can't create from that space of fear. However, when you're in that space of fear, that's when you need to actually stop, breathe, and kind of connect and 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 actually focus on right. the bigger picture and what may be available to you. So it right. sounds like that's kind of what what happened yes. with you. Yes, and the secret is, you know, I started working on myself. So my inner world, as as like as I kept untying the knots inside me, life started unfolding outside, you know, outside mm. of me. So. When I had cancer and I went through the surgery, first the first thing I did was I started taking care of my health. And part of that was taking care, you know, I started getting into yoga and meditation. Mm. That in turn aligned my physical health with my spiritual health. That then had an effect on my mental and emotional health. Because once I started meditation, it calmed down my my monkey chatter. And I got into, I learned to get into states of flow. Mm. That led to me starting to write. Then I started journaling. That was the beginning of my writing my books. It started there every time I meditated. So it all it all adds up, you know. So from my cancer, my health improved. I started being present to my own physical well-being. That led to my connection with my spirit when I started yoga meditation along with my diet change. And then 
when I when and then the meditation and yoga gave me a clearer mind, and then I started seeing uh, not just what's working but what's not working. So I had a lot of anger within me. I had a lot of resentment. I had a lot of negative thinking. A lot of uh, no self trust. Uh, you know. Uh, um, and no trust in other people. So how do I deal with that? So the next thing was I started reading books where, you know, it was all um, self-driven. One thing led to another. So I started uh, reading books uh, that were inspirational, you know, reading books by Dr. Wayne Dyer or Louise Hay. And, you know, and then the more I probed, then I started came across this book called The Honeymoon Effect by, um, uh, what's his name? He's uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton. Um, that was so lovely. The book is so simple. And uh, it gave me a lot of clarity about uh, how I need to feel whole and complete. Uh, and, and then only, I, I mean, I cannot uh, create love from a place of need. But I need to have a full cup myself because if I am not full of love myself and I need love, I have nothing to give anybody else because I only I always need it for myself. So all of that shifted everything. And then the more I read Greg Bredden and all these authors, then there was a uh, you know, I got present to these summits that were happening where these authors, you could hear them live and speak to, uh, I mean, meet them for a few minutes, get their, your book signed. So then there were these Hay House summits happening here in Toronto, and I started attending those. And then, you know, more like it was a different world opening up for me. And then I met someone from Landmark who was a coach. And who told me, and I was in the middle of my divorce, uh, not in the middle, I was working on my, you know, speaking to a social worker, trying to find the best lawyer. And that uh, person told me, I'll get you a lawyer. You first go and do this course called Landmark. And I'm like, what is he talking about? You know, I don't need to do a course right now. I need to do my divorce. <laughs> and I think Landmark was the best thing that happened to me mm-hmm. because it, it gave me that community. Of people. That's where I met you. It yeah. gave me that community of people that are constantly working on themselves and making, you know, their, their, their work in progress. They are a huge contribution to the community around them because the more they work on themselves and elevate themselves, the, the more they're able to contribute to the community and the people around them. And so, that's the community of people I created around myself. And from there, I met someone who was a publisher and who offered, who said, you have a book within you. And like one thing led to another. And that's where I've been on my journey of writing and speaking and coaching. So awesome. So awesome. Yeah. It just kind of like one, one action led to another. And then you just start meeting more and more people who are in that space. And then it just kind of all blossoms and mushrooms from there. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful, your story is a really beautiful story. Um, and, and just, just for anyone listening, um, who doesn't know what landmark is landmark is, uh, 
you know, there's a series of personal and professional development programs. And um, inside of that, you have the opportunity of meeting a community of, like Sharon was saying, a community of people who are always growing and developing. Um, so yeah, it's just great. I have to share something with you. So when yeah. I was a kid, uh, you know, usually in the summer nights of, uh, you know, when I was in India, uh, I used to, we had a huge, something like a courtyard uh, in our house. And in the summers, it used to be so hot. So we would, uh, you know, kind of camp outside on the court, I mean, in the courtyard. And what we would get to see is the night sky. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you've done this, but as a child, you know, what I would do is when, when I first looked at the night sky, even on a, you know, when it's not cloudy and you first focus, first you don't see any stars and then you see just one star. You focus on that one star and then suddenly you'll see, oh, there's another and then another and then another. And then you see a constellation and then mm -hmm. you see a whole sky full of stars. And that's what happens, you know, when you when you find your North Star, you see your North Star, you see one thing first, one star, one mm -hmm. step, one action that you can do, one opportunity. And then you see a constellation, as I said, so a few more doors open up. And then you see a whole sky full of stars because, you know, your net, your network is your net worth, you know, your community, who some, you know, you don't know who in your community knows someone else and by word of mouth and by connections, how you will expand and you will be able to see a whole sky full of stars. So, you know, the North Star is just the beginning. It's so beautiful. What I mean, what a beautiful image. And, yes. um, you know, what I'm hearing from that too is your, there's the realization of I'm also part of the sky. <laughs> Yes. Not only am I looking at the sky, but I'm part of the sky. You're part of the constellation, right? We're part of our community. And that's really um, how we shine and thrive is when we uh, yeah. recognize our place within community. Uh, yes. Beautiful. So I was listening um, to your other talk, the one where you start, um, you start by saying that you're making curry yes. and you're making curry for your husband and you know you're you're there in anticipation um just like kind of waiting for him to be like oh this is amazing and you're waiting for him to come home and say oh this is amazing and thank you so much and to appreciate you and you're just kind of waiting yeah. for that feeling and then um he comes home and then walks out the door and is actually going to go visit his ex-wife and right. you know and you talk about sitting there kind of naked with the truth of it all and you know feeling vulnerable and hurt and and just upset by the whole situation but then you turn it around in, inside of your story you turn it around you take control and then you end the story by saying now when i make curry i add a dash of forgiveness a pinch of compassion and a huge dollop of self-love. Yes. Can you say more about how those ingredients play into the life you live now? They are the main ingredients of my life uh, right now. So, well, the forgiveness uh, didn't happen in, you know, just a few months or days, to be very honest with you. It 
takes years and you know it it's a process and you know the forgiveness in my journey of uh learning to forgive i realized uh, you know the first time when i called up my i i i called up my um, ex husband um i had that moment where i told him you know i forgive you uh for what you've done and um at that time that was in my awareness and that's what i knew that oh if i say i forgive you then i'll be done and i'll be complete and it's it's going to be over and then as i worked on myself there was two things that triggered me you know mm-hmm. something that he said Uh, you know because we have children between us and so sometimes we have to have conversations over the phone you know a word that he said or the tone of his voice would trigger me and i would be really present to how i am i haven't really forgiven him you know i am still in that uh, mode of reacting and so i started digging okay what's in there like let's see let's see what's in there that i need to uh come up with and you can't you know what i've realized in my journey of learning to forgive is i cannot just suppress it mm-hmm. like the triggers there's no i can't suppress it i can't hide it i can't pretend they're not there and it is i can't make make it wrong if i'm triggered i am triggered i'm human and i you know that's who i am and mm-hmm. so at first i would make myself wrong and i would question oh you claim to be this coach and you claim to be this person who's done a lot of uh, transformation uh, and then you're still triggered and then i realized okay allow it allow myself to be triggered now how do i what do i do next and so what i realized was um that the if i took responsibility for the fact that he only did things to me because i allowed it you know at that time i, I didn't know how to uh take charge of my life and i i played with him and uh, you know what i really got present to is i i was raised in a way where playing victim playing small playing submissive even though something inside me was saying i don't like the way he's treating me but i didn't mm-hmm. say anything about it because i wanted to conform to the way i was raised you know that oh if you suffer and if you let someone hurt you and you don't say anything about it then you're a good person you know <laughs> yeah so you know you're a good person so you know if someone slaps you in one on one cheek give your other cheek you know let them let them slap you on the other uh, side of the face and don't don't react you don't slap them back isn't that how i grew up and mm-hmm. so so um i called him up so if i am that person who says oh you've slapped me on one side of my face come take the other side and slap me again who's responsible for that i am responsible for that because i'm okay with it so i realized that was what was uh, you know out of integrity so i called him after a few months and i said i have something to tell you i called you a few months ago and i said i forgive you i realized that there's nothing to forgive you 
you didn't do and you did what you did you didn't do what you didn't do and there's nothing to forgive you i take responsibility for um for myself and for my choices and when i did that because if i take responsibility for what was created in my life then it it implies that i create my life i am, i am the creator not anybody else so if i am the creator of something i can always change the script mm-hmm. i wrote my book so i can change that anytime i can change the cover have a revised edition i can do whatever i feel like that's how you that's how my life is so when i told him that of of well he didn't get what i was saying so he was like can you say it again can i put you on the speaker can my ex wife hear this and i'm like okay because i was so liberated it was no longer making anyone right or wrong if i said that i wasn't making myself wrong i was setting myself free but he didn't get that and if he made, if it made him happy i said it out loud and for anybody to hear i take responsibility for my own life that was one stage and then as i worked on myself i realized that all that anger that i had towards him was actually displaced it was anger that i had towards myself for allowing people to hurt me Mm. I was very angry with myself for living for for putting myself through so much agony and for you know letting my children have that experience they witnessed me go through all that I went through so I was very angry with myself and so that was being displaced on others you know on on my ex and so that's when I realized I did have the choice if I had started like if I didn't have cancer whatever choices I made after cancer I could have made those choices you know sooner I didn't have to live 8 years dragging this marriage and suffering I didn't have to I didn't have to have a cancer to make those choices I could have said hey I'm not liking this marriage what is available to me and what is it that I want is this the life that i want or is what is the life that i want i could have created that long ago so that was my journey about forgiveness and that's when self love comes in it takes something to forgive yourself that's the hardest lesson yes, yes. and that's that's when and you know i'm getting goosebumps when i'm saying it because i literally visualized myself as um like i went back in time thinking when was the time when i thought that i was i was perfect you know i was never wrong i was i didn't make any mistakes i was so innocent and so pure and that was when i was a child and so i visualized that i was my own child and if my child made a mistake would i be so harsh on my child that i would wish death upon my child I was wishing that on myself. Wow. And that's when I said what you know like I what was I doing to myself and that's when the idea of self love but when I faced myself you know when I really got present to how unforgiving how mean how harsh how cruel I was with myself you know telling myself all those negative things that i don't deserve any better or 
I'm so like feeling so unworthy. I wouldn't ever say such things to forget my kids to any human being. I wouldn't even say it to my ex-husband who hurt me so much. I wouldn't even be a monster like that to him. I mean, if I were to complain and whine, I wouldn't even say that. I wouldn't even hurt him. So that's when my journey of self-love began. And I started becoming kinder. I started allowing myself to feel what I feel. There were many things. I, you know, two sides of the spectrum. The way I was raised, my culture didn't teach me how to be present to my feelings. So I wasn't allowed to feel I wasn't a good woman if I felt anger. I wasn't a good woman if I felt present to sex and intimacy and my desires and wishes around that. So, and these are both very powerful energies. Hmm. And so, yes. And so that was my journey of self-love. And that's when I started, okay, I'm allowed to be angry. How I express it is what makes the difference. Yes. If I snap at my kids, it's okay. I, I don't beat myself up anymore. I, you know, I have the conversation with them later. I do tell them sorry, but I, it's not about just them saying it's, it's okay, mom. I have to tell myself after that, it's okay that you snapped at them. And then after that, um, you know, I'm, I'm still working on, on, um, on allowing myself to desire. I'm still allowing myself, um, on, I'm still working on that. That's the scary bit because I've, uh, you know, I was raised in a way where I can only express my desire if I'm married to a man and that has to be hushed up and only he can know what my desires are in terms of sex and intimacy. So that's one thing where I'm, I'm still uncomfortable and I'm working on, um, but I've come a long, long way to be even saying this on a podcast <laughs> is where I'm setting myself free there to unleashing myself. And, um, Yes, and because there's always the fear of being judged that I'm a bad, I'm a bad woman if I'm mm -hmm. talking about sex and intimacy. So that's one thing, and um, I also uh, give myself the time to relax, to unwind. I allow myself the treat of uh, you know going for a massage, or you know I've been out to go watch a movie by myself, go take a walk by the park. I'm allowed to have leisure time. I don't have, just because I'm a mom, uh, you know, a good mom is not someone who's exhausted all the time. Totally. You need to fill up it, your own cup. Yes, yes. And, and it's, it, you know, I don't have to always have uncut hair and, you know, not have my nails painted and someone who is looking very refreshing doesn't mean she's not a good mom and she has all the time in the world. No, she allows herself that time and, you know, and gives herself that, um, that treat for, you know, for being uh, so hardworking and sincere and committed to her family. So I do those things and um, I love my community of girlfriends. 
that I hang out with <laughs> once in a while. Of course, with the lockdown, we haven't had much time. But yeah, I do have my, uh, I do, I, I, earlier I used to feel very guilty that I, what, I'm going to leave my kids at home and go chill out with girls. I can only go out for chores. I can only go out if there's work. How can I go out to have fun, you know, and leave my kids at home? So that shifted, that changed. So, you know, sometimes I take a break and go have lunch or dinner with my friends and things like that. And, uh, you know, that's my journey of self-love. And if I, if I, oh, I wasn't allowed to ever say that I have a crush on a man. Never, 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 never. <laughs> so now I tell people, now I'm nearing 50 and I tell people I'm crushing on, on, you know, <laughs> the rock. I'm crushing <laughs> on this guy and that guy. And I'm like kind of re reliving my life. And, and it's okay. I wasn't allowed to say it before and now I'm happy I say yeah it's it's so well there's always like a new level of of self-expression to unveil right it's a constant discovery a constant yeah. growth process yeah. and it's so good just just to backtrack a little bit um you know i think so many people collapse responsibility with blame and yeah. i think you just articulated it so beautifully it's like responsibility is not necessarily the truth it's a place to stand that gives you more power, right? So yeah. in the face of the whole situation, you being like, okay, I'm responsible for this. That gave you power because it was an opening to just liberate from the situation yes. and free yourself up. And then from yes. there, it was like, okay, how am I treating myself? And then you you give yourself that kindness and that self-love that you were talking about. Yes. yes. So good. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I, and I learned that, you know, you have to balance work and play. Yeah. You know, there has to be a little bit of play in your life and whatever that looks like, there has to be play in your life. Uh, that's what is going to kind of, it's like refilling, you know, you have to recharge yourself. And so, you know, giggling over a, a movie or, you know, hanging out with girls and, you know, doing silly talk, like, you know, I have my school friends from kindergarten that are here and we hang out and we talk about when we were teenagers and this and that. And like, it is so exciting. And when I come back home, I'm not snapping at the kids. I'm so happy. And, you know, the kids see the shift in me and it's so important, you know, or, or go to a salon and, you know, get yourself looking good and pretty. And then you feel confident and you you, you're a different person when you give yourself those treats and when you come back and your family sees you differently and allow yourself that, you know. Totally. I, I was actually just thinking about that this morning, like silliness, you know, and I, yes. was, I was remembering how in high school, my group of friends and I, we would just, <laughs> we would just sit by the lockers and we would just make funny noises at each other. Like yes. it was just like, who could make the funniest noise? And yes. <laughs> it's like that kind of play. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's so good. And it's so important to keep represencing ourselves to, to yeah. play. Yeah. It's so true. Yes. Yes, and I, I, I've been doing that recently with the lockdown. There's not much I can do. I can't see my friends. So my kids are, I give them, a, like, they're like, mom, stop. So my kids are into TikTok. 
creating, oh, making yeah. these TikTok <laughs> videos and they will be like seriously doing their dance moves and all of that. And suddenly I'll go in there and put my leg in front of the screen <laughs> and they'll be like, mom, stop. And this can't go up. And then like I've, I've ruined that video. And so I say, send that video to me. And the other day I put that up on Instagram. I'm like, my kids have to deal with me. Any other mom like me? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. I can yeah. so see it. So good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for someone who maybe uh, is in the midst of that kind of stuck mindset and right. is going through through, they are in the in the storm of circumstance. How do you kind of coach them through that, and and what would you say to them? Well, the first step is, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the times when you're in the thick of a storm, uh, you are not able to see things obviously with clarity. So they don't even know. Sometimes they don't even realize that they are stuck. They're miserable, but and they they know where they want to be but they don't know how to get there so what i create with them is a roadmap and so the beginning at the very beginning of the roadmap is to first be aware of where exactly you are in that storm you're lost you need to know you have you need to have a compass that tells you this is where I am. So, you know, the first step is self-awareness. So taking inventory of where am I at with my health? Where am I at with my, um, with my career? Where am I at, you know, with my relationships? So sometimes people are not present to, you know, as we learned in Landmark, what's working and what's not working. So first, going in and and looking at and having uh you know let them talk about what what's what are they up to what's going on in their lives and let them blurt it all out and then from there we are able to see you know sometimes when we talk about what's going on a lot of it is actually based on what's going on in our minds about what's going on outside of us mm-hmm. So, you know, so we need to like separate those two, you know, what's going on, what's really going on and what's going on about what's going on. And, you know, and, and that's, and from there we take it up and take one step at a time. And I cannot tell them what to do. They will, as they untie the knots, they will discover what to do. All I give them are certain tools like how to let go, how to work on, uh, you know, if somebody's having an anger issue, how to work on, you know, that moment, provide them with tools when they're having an amygdala hijack, you know, as we say. And then, you know, tools like gratitude, tools like journaling, tools like, you know, I give give them things to do, activities to do, like going and taking a walk, doing things that they've never done before. Even if it's a small thing, like going and knocking at your neighbor's door and finding out who actually lives there. Sometimes people have been living for years, not totally oblivious and so engrossed in their own world that they don't know what is available to them. 
so yes um lots of uh tools and and a roadmap and a time frame and um i i i give them uh my commitment and what i'm offering but i also require a commitment from them that they are they would be willing to do the work because i cannot do the magic they will be doing the magic it's their life Absolutely. i can only i can only tell them what i did yeah and then give them but, tools to discover yes. inside of yes inside of themselves what, yes. what could be available for them yes right um, and have you seen lots of transformation in your clients? Like what, what has um, giving them tools made available for them? Uh, one of them uh, was um, being physically abused. And from that, within, I think, a year and a half, she, uh, she quit her job as a computer expert and now she's actually training to be a coach herself to empower other other women amazing so cool so that's one the other one um uh she quit her marriage that was dysfunctional and abusive so and the others are work in progress mm -hmm. yeah well i acknowledge you for making that kind of difference and you. you know, even just being there for people, letting them know they're not alone. Um, you know, someone else has been through it and just yeah. being that space right. for people to talk about what's really going on um, right. and to feel seen and heard. So, right. yeah. You know, even with my book, uh, there have been, I've received emails from people who've read my book. I've never met them before. They haven't coached with me, but um, there were, you know, um, articles in some mag uh, magazines and newspapers about my book and my story. And I had left my uh, email address there for people to contact me. And I offered that the readers, uh, you know, 30 minutes of um, a discovery call or coaching. And sometimes it's only... 30 minutes in those 30 minutes there may have been one thing that i said that shifted everything for someone mm, so, so cool. you never know you know sometimes you can it may be it may take six months or longer and sometimes it's just in a moment that the person shifts right because it's all about the possibility they see for themselves and, yes. and what opens up for them so it could yes. be one thing that you say that just yes. opens up a whole world. Yes. Very there cool. was this there, uh, this phone call that I had where this lady was in stuck in a in a in a very abusive relationship. She called me from Alberta and um I I don't know her. I've never met her, but it was it just shifted everything for her. You know, just that connection that there that I was a real person who who uh, you know, who created that breakthrough for herself, she saw that possibility and she said, I am clear, I want to be divorced and be out of here. And, be and before that, she was struggling. So, yeah. you know, sometimes it's just in that moment that people make those choices. Yeah, and it's even reaching out to you is 
is yes. them taking control too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to be mindful of time. We have we have five yes. minutes left here. So I just I just wanted to also share um the titles of your books. I believe the one you're referring to now is The Second Wife, Seduced yes. Seduced into Slavery and Keepsake. Yes. Um, yes. so that that's available. Your story is there. And then also um you've got Keepsake, a souvenir of love, which I believe yes. is another memoir. It no, it's um it's um uh book of meditative poetry so when I got into meditating I used to be in flow state after meditation so I would wake up at four in the morning I still do and you know meditate and right after that I would journal and then you know I would scribble my thoughts and then slowly it started becoming poetry and I started writing poems and a friend of mine is an il- illustrator. I had given her one of my poems to illustrate for something that was happening at, at my church. And I wanted to co- give that a poem as an offering. And she said, do you have more? And I said, yes. And then she said, I'd love to il- see all of them. And she illustrated all of them. She went to Staples, made it into a book and gave it to me as a gift. Like that book happened out of nowhere. <laughs> like I never thought of that. And then there's uh, something interesting I'd like to share about my book, The Second Wife. There's a reason why I put the title The Second Wife. Okay, like, yes, you know, literally, it means that my ex-husband was in a relationship with his ex-wife. So I was being treated like the second wife. But it, uh, there's also a pun in there. You know, there are many a times that we ourselves, we women, treat ourselves as second choice Mm. it a man doesn't have to be be with another woman he you know sometimes he's his work is his first wife right or his his money is his first wife or his addiction is his first wife Mm. and you allow yourself to be the second wife so what will it take for you to be someone's first choice be your own first choice Yes. That's, so there's there's many layers to the second wife. Beautiful. Yeah, I I'm I'm looking forward to reading it. And it is available through uh it's it's on Amazon, right? And Yes. Yes, on Amazon worldwide. Okay. Great. Um so yeah, how can our listeners if if our listeners are, you know, sparked into interest by everything you've said, how can they find you? Uh, how do they contact you? So I am on uh, Instagram by my first and last name, Shireen Arif. So I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I have my own website, shireenarif.com. I also have beyourownnotstar.com. So I, you, I'm, you can, I'm very accessible on social media. Beautiful. And I'll, I'll put that, all that information in the uh, show notes as well. So it's, yeah. it'll be there for you. Yes. And, and I do have a, I do have a YouTube channel as well. Yes. Where I, I have the Share Your Shine series, uh, the Be Your Own North Star channel, where I have conversations with uh, ordinary people who have lived extraordinary lives, where they've transformed their lives they've been stuck somewhere and they've transformed their lives. They've dealt with a lot of adversity and now they're thriving. So 
that's another place where you can just get a glimpse of the kind of work I do. Amazing. Thank you. And last but not least, what are three ways you let beauty guide you in life? Here's something. Um, I, I did it. Uh, there was a psychology test that was offered by Yale University. And I did that test. And, you know, you, you go do the test to see what are your strengths. And one of my biggest strengths is appreciation of beauty. Mm. And beauty to me, like the most beautiful things that are that I would say are two things: people and nature, this world. And I could keep talking like for another podcast or maybe two more <laughs> or three more about let beauty Have you on again. <laughs> I I feel unwell if there is no beauty around me. Mm. So I love people. Uh, each one of us, we bring in our own gifts and our own beauty. And uh, I thrive on that. So I'm a people's person. That's why I have four kids. <laughs> and I, I like a community around me. So uh, that's one thing. And nature is something that I appreciate a lot. So, you know, when I've been in the pits of uh, my problems, there's, uh, I would go to this high park near my house and there's a tree there. And I would go and hug that tree. And I would like take pictures of every like corner of high park. And every time I visit high park, it looks different. It's always refreshing. And every time I've walked by the lake, it's different every every day is different and I thrive on that it kind of rejuvenates me it recharges me my book keepsake is a lot about nature you know the one of the poems is called quietude and that's where like I feel peace in nature I kind of reset myself and uh, that's that's how beauty inspires me I, I write I flow, I write, I heal, I connect, and I'm inspired. So beauty is always, you know, therapy, it's inspiration, it's love, it's connection. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Thank there you. is something special about High Park and its, <laughs> its ability to heal. Yeah, it's 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 wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Shireen. I really, really appreciate you being here and sharing your incredible story. And it's just super inspiring how you just took control of your life and you're just living this like powerful life to the max and really, really uh, impacting and making a people a difference for people along the way. So thank you so much. Thank you for being here. And thank you to our listeners. I hope you got something out of this. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Let Beauty Guide You. You were just listening to Shireen Arif on resilience. And if you would like to work with her, you can reach out to her through Instagram or through her website. All the information is posted in the show notes. Um, You can also pick up her two books. Uh, One is The Second Wife, Seduced into Slavery. And she also has Keepsake, A Souvenir of Love, which is a book of meditative poetry. 
Both are available through Amazon, although I do recommend seeing if you can find a copy in your local bookstore. Thanks again, everyone. Catch you next time.